Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. The king made an image of gold, whose height was threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Verse 1 tells us, what Nebuchadnezzar did. In other words, there are four or five questions we may ask ourselves uh, in the study of this chapter. Is the what, where, when, why, and how? What do we have? We have an image. Where is the image? In the plain of Dura. When? The uh, time element of this uh, incident of chapter 3 uh, is given by the Septuagint version translation of scriptures as in the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar of his reign that would make it 16 years later than chapter 2 the dream because in chapter 4 the time element of chapter 4 now will be uh, some uh, 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 65 years later than chapter 3. So uh, in studying prophecy, it's always uh, uh, important to uh, uh, notice that there's the, the chronology, historical succession of history events is not the order of the day. In other words, it's not given in that order. You've been reading Jeremiah lately. You, uh, you've noticed that Jeremiah gave prophecies uh, in the early part uh, of Jeremiah that pertain to the latter portion of the day. And then in the middle you'll find that it's uh, the, uh, whoever it's directed against. Maybe against Edom, maybe against the Ammonites, maybe against Egypt, maybe against Assyria, uh, maybe against uh, Babylon. Uh, but uh, it doesn't follow uh, historical order. So you want to uh, keep that in mind. And then... Uh, why was the image? Uh, and how was the image? Uh, you want to keep those questions in mind as we study it. And then the, the latter portion of the chapter, uh, you, can, uh, you can study the entire chapter uh, from this standpoint. Uh, what the children did not do, what they could have done, what they did do, and what God did. Uh, and you'll, you'll find it, uh, uh, pretty interesting, I believe, in this, uh, in just the summary of the chapter. Alright, now let us look at the verse, at it verse by verse. Now, verse 1 says that Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. It tells us how big it was. Uh, it was, uh, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. Now, it doesn't tell us whether that was uh, the 90 feet high, 60 cubits, the cubit was 18 inches, see, uh, 90, uh, whether that 90 feet included the pedestal of the image, uh, but evidently it was the entire image, whatever was built, 
whatever he put it on and all was uh, 90 feet high and 9 feet from the chest to the back. Uh, the scriptures doesn't tell us that whether it was solid image or uh, solid gold. The critics uh, uh, take, they have a great delight in this chapter. They find three faults. Uh, they say there wasn't enough gold, that Nebuchadnezzar didn't have enough gold to build an image that big. And uh, then they tell us, uh, see, this is the chapter that uh, names the Greek uh, words uh, on the in musical instruments. And they say that the Greek language was unheard of uh, at this period in 600 uh, B.C. And yet, uh, this chapter uh, uses... Greek words to describe Greek musical instruments, see. And they say it's phony because there's no such thing. And then uh, they ridicule the miracle. Uh, the, of course, the liberals believe that the book, that this book, whoever wrote it, they don't believe Daniel wrote it, they believe that it was written 165 uh, B.C., uh, several hundred years after Daniel lived. And they say that this was a, just a tale, that it was often told, reconstructed, to fit uh, any purpose that the writer might have in mind uh, to teach. And, of course, in this chapter, they say the uh, only spiritual value to it is the, uh, that martyrdom is preferable to apostasy, to uh, uh, being faithful. See, that that's all it's for. There's no reality to it. It's not a, it's just a picture. Uh, the furnace was not real. The fire was not real. Uh, but it, uh, it does show that people must go through testing and, and, uh, uh, hardships, you see, and so on, and that God does reward faithfulness. Well, Nebuchadnezzar made the image gold, but these critics, I just remind them, they didn't know that Nebuchadnezzar uh, had some credit cards. He he had a Bank of America card that wouldn't wait. See, and if he didn't have that much gold, he he he, he <coughs> had several countries, you know, that was available to him. But anyway, uh, he made the uh, he made the image, and he set it up in the plain of Dura. Now that may have been uh, in the province of Babylon. See, now that's the location. That's all it tells us. It could be near Babylon. It could even be in the city limits of Babylon and still come under this description. Uh, now, why did Nebuchadnezzar make uh, this image? Uh, when he made the image, put it up, erected it, uh, there's no evidence that he did so in order to force Jews to worship the image. Uh, up to this point, Nebuchadnezzar's interest and his consideration for the Jews have been very humane. He's been very considerate. No, no symptom, no sign of him mistreating the Jews or even putting the, putting them to hardships. The ones that came uh, that he kept as captive. Now he did kill many Jews that uh, rebelled against his capture. And uh, if Zedekiah, Nebuchadnezzar, would never gone back the third time 
uh, humanly speaking, against Jerusalem had, had not Zedekiah betrayed him, turned his lawyer. See, Nebuchadnezzar put him on the throne. He was subject to uh, Babylonian rule. But then, he, then there were those in Jerusalem that were still, uh, uh, still friendly to uh, Egypt. Jeremiah tells about it in his prophecies. And they wanted, uh, uh, they wanted, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, they wanted to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. See? And, uh, of course, the other kingdom was trying to get, uh, rule, uh, power over Judea instead of Nebuchadnezzar. Well, uh, and then even after Zedekiah was captured, uh, I mean, after he was, uh, uh put out, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, installed Gedaliah, uh, a man, as uh, a governor over Judaism, showing that he left plenty of Jews in Jerusalem, uh, and he wanted to provide government for them. Yet he wanted their taxes, he wanted their tribute art. That was the whole purpose in gaining control of the nations, of the world, of the government. But uh, then there was a man by the name of Ishmael rose up, and uh, he killed Gedaliah in order, uh, because he was uh, friendly to uh, Babylon. See, Jeremiah told him, says, any man that, uh, uh, see, Jeremiah put on a yoke. You've read that in Jeremiah. You know, uh, he put on a yoke and he marched all over Jerusalem and up and down. And uh, there's a man, Hananiah, a prophet, came up and he took that yoke and he took it off of uh, Jeremiah. Well, Jeremiah was showing by that yoke that Jerusalem, Judea, was to be surrendered to Nebuchadnezzar. And that if you, if you surrendered, you'd live. If you didn't uh, surrender, well, you'd die. See? And Hananiah uh, said, no, they're not going to be down there 70 years. Two years they'll come back if you'll let me uh, uh, have my way. See? Oh, he tried, to, he tried to be a prophet. He tried to be a, a ruler and so on. And it was that element that sprang up after Nebuchadnezzar had already uh, made two uh, previous uh, attacks against Jerusalem or came in there for spoils on two different occasions. But when he did this, when they rebelled, well, then that's when uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's anger, and you can see by this chapter and the one following that Nebuchadnezzar had a pretty high temper. He didn't, he didn't like to be trifled with. Uh, he wanted to have his way, and he was big enough to, he thought, to have his way. And, uh, of course, uh, when that happened, uh, you know, the the escape, the final escape uh, of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was taken captive down uh, in into Egypt. Jeremiah and Baruch both. And as a result, of course, uh, uh, Alexander, Egypt, became one of the strongholds for Judaism, uh, in, uh, in Egypt, and then later when, uh, Alexander the Great, uh, conquered, uh, the Medes and Persians, and he took over Egypt, well then he made Alexandria, a city named after him, see, and, uh, uh, made it, uh, the leading educational center, a Greek center, and that's where the Bible was translated into, into Greek, you see, the Hebrew scripture. So these Jews that Jeremiah and Baruch uh, kept them intact in worshiping God. And, uh, but of course all of that is in the providence of God. All that's shown in this image that in chapter 2. 
Chapter 2 is the backbone of prophecy. Of course, we've uh, we've just introduced it. We're going to uh, study it. Oh, it's all it'll be from the seventh chapter on is chapter 2, what's in chapter 2. It'll just be the details. And it'll, it'll be uh, God's providential dealings with these uh, four different countries, world powers. Well, Nebuchadnezzar made his image. And uh, <clears throat> chapter verse 2 says that the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the shares, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Now, <clears throat> there's not a commoner in that list. They're all rulers. They're all... Uh, uh, his leaders, men of uh, governmental power uh, throughout the whole his whole dominion. <clears throat> How long it took Nebuchadnezzar to build the image? The Bible doesn't doesn't tell us. We we have no uh, note from the uh, from the, any of the prophecies of Daniel or Ezekiel that indicates it. But uh, he built it. He got it set up. He wanted to dedicate it. And he wanted all of his uh, uh, leading uh, princes and, and men in power to be there. Then verse 3 tells us that then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then, and Herod cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages. Now notice, it, 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 this is not a suggestion. This is not something preferable. This is not something that's advisable for you to do. This is something that you're commanded to do. See? O people, nations, and languages. That, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psalter, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. Now, in the list of uh, <coughs> instruments, there are six separate, distinct items that are mentioned. The, this uh, image was 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide. We have the six instruments. The 13th chapter of Revelation, you have an image that was made. And all the people are commanded to worship. And if they don't uh, follow, if they don't worship that image, every one of them will be killed, put to death. That's in Revelation 13. Alright, and the image, the name, the number, the name, and the mark of that beast was 666. That's in Revelation 13. With the six instruments, you have three sixes concerning this image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast in the midst of the burning fire of furnace. Therefore, 
At that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, cypress, psalter, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Now, verse 8 tells us, Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. Now, <clears throat> you can see that this is a byproduct, that this was not the purpose of testing Jewish, the Jewish worship. As far as the people that had been commanded, the only way that these three Hebrews were there was because they were rulers. They were men of, uh, of uh, power in Nebuchadnezzar's government. Where's Daniel? He's not here. He's not even mentioned in this chapter. Well, he may have been... Uh, he could have been any part of the country. He could have been on a mission for uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar uh, had already told him that he ought to be worshipped instead of falling down and worshipping some of his images. See, that's how Nebuchadnezzar, what he thought of Daniel. So, uh, wherever he was, whatever he was doing, of course, is purely hypothetical and conjectural. You don't know it's just an opinion. It's just where he might have been. But uh, if he was there, uh, I don't believe Daniel fell down and, and worshipped the image. See? But even if he didn't fall down and was with these three Hebrew children, these Chaldeans were afraid to accuse him. They would have been afraid. Now, the ones that accused uh, uh, these three Hebrew children were the very ones, if you look at chapter 2 and verse 4, uh, it's the very ones, the first thing that Daniel uh, did uh, when, uh, you see, uh, or is it, no, it's not verse 4, is it? Uh, verse 4 is the, uh, no, that's where they, that's where the Chaldean said, if you will, uh, give me a tell of the dream. We'll give you the interpretation. But Daniel, when Daniel was brought in, he said, uh, uh, yeah, verse 24 instead of 4. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arach, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Now you see how Daniel had saved their lives? Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. But here in chapter 3, the very moment that the Chaldeans could have said, Thank you, Daniel, he turns to Daniel's friends and accuses them. And he accused them with reference to a matter of their religion. Not negligence in the empire, see, for some business or some government, some deed. So, uh, the Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Now then, you're going to find that they reminded Nebuchadnezzar uh, first of his decree, of his determination, 
Thou, O king, hast made a decree. And uh, now the next clause gives the scope of that decree. How far reaching it was. That every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. Now, and no doubt that this pertained to every individual of his empire, yet, uh, technically speaking, it only pertained to those that had been invited, those that had come, and those that were, uh, uh, to, uh, that heard, uh, that was present to hear the musical implement, see? Alright? Then they reminded, uh, the king of its penalty, the penalty of his decree. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Now that's a penalty, see, of, of, of violation. Now, verse 12 says, uh, the Chaldeans had found someone that had violated his decree. There are certain Jews whom thou hath set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. These wise men, uh, I think, kind of give Nebuchadnezzar a little rubbing right there, see? He says, these wise men that thou hast said, we had nothing to do with it. We didn't advise you to do it, see? You did it on your own. You've set some Jews, given them place of authority in this kingdom, and we really don't like it, and that's what it's all about. These Chaldeans were jealous. These, this is envy. And uh, so they're, they're taking it out uh, on, on these three Jewish boys. They are somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 years old, I'd say, uh, at least. Many, a lot of people believe there's only seven years between chapter 2 and chapter 3. Uh, but as I mentioned all ago, the Septuagint version says that there were 16 years between. So if they're 16, and they were at least 16 to 20 years old when they came into Babylon, they'd be in the neighborhood of 32 to 35 years of age. See, so uh, they're that age, so or, I mean within that age, so as you conceive of the of their age, well, it helps you to uh, get a picture of uh, all these boys. Well, verse uh, 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 verse twelve says uh, uh, that not only certain Jews, see, whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province, but these Chaldeans just happened to know their names. And he says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, these men, O king have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Three charges. They had no respect for Nebuchadnezzar. They are, that, that's what they said. They said they don't respect you. They don't worship your other gods anywhere in the land. And they had all sorts of gods. They had Baal god, they had sun god, they had moon gods, they had fire gods. They were fire worshippers. See, they had every sort of uh, uh, god in the land, but these Jews wouldn't worship any of them. Now then, Daniel has made uh, a golden god, an image. 
Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what that image is. It doesn't tell us what it's like. It doesn't tell us whether it's a man or beast or what. It just tells us it made an image, doesn't it? Uh, but no doubt it was the image of a man. I think he patterned it after chapter 2, the the uh, image that he saw in uh, in chapter 2, you know, that he forgot the dream where he forgot the man or what it looked like. But, but you see, in his dream, his image, this the head was of gold. But this image that he made was all gold. Why? Because he, his pride, and he was a man of pride, see, vainglory, he gloried in the fact that, well, now thou art, Daniel told him that thou art that head of gold, see. Well, now he wanted to be the whole cheese. He wanted to be the honor. He wanted to be the gold of silver, you see, and all the way down. And, uh, <clears throat> so then, uh, then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage, and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right. Now notice that uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you'll, you'll get an idea here of his uh, uh, his uh, temperament. He, in his rage and in his fury, boy, he just uh, he blew his top. I mean, right. It went right out the top, too. Now, where is he? He's worshiping. He's supposed to be a man that has some kind of grave consideration, even of his idols. But he gets a rumor uh, that uh, three Jews down there not worshiping his image. And, uh, boy, he just goes in the, in the pits. And uh, so he issues a command, bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So uh, then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? He asked them the question and didn't give them a chance to answer. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was not going to, even though he was mad and angry, uh, he wasn't going to pronounce judgment on these three Jews because he, he liked these Jews. He had already put them through school, see, and they had make, and they was making a good uh, name for themselves. They were good servants to, uh, Nebuchadnezzar and, and he was proud of these boys. And he wasn't going to just go out there and throw them in a fire furnace just because three of these Chaldeans, when uh, twice uh, the, these Chaldeans had uh, had uh, come up short with an answer for for Nebuchadnezzar's concern, and Daniel and these three Hebrew children, they had uh, answered every question he had asked them. Now then, Nebuchadnezzar puts forth this question to him. Uh, 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 he says, uh, "Is it true?" Is the report, is the hearsay, uh, that ye do not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, and at what time? Now, he's going to give them a second opportunity uh, to, uh, to worship the image. He said, now, uh, they were familiar with the decree. They knew the penalty. They weren't going, they, uh, these three... 
Jews weren't facing Nebuchadnezzar not knowing what the penalty was for their stand. Uh, so uh, he uh, gives, has all this thing, he has an instant replay uh, of what's happened, of what he just already happened, see? And the musicians all start again, and they start uh, in, in their music. And uh, then he says, now when they do that, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fire of furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hand? All right, now, you see, he uh, he knew he had a brick kill. He had a furnace, open, no doubt, at the top, and a door at the bottom. Uh, and he knew that uh, that when his uh, servants, soldiers, threw them into that pit, that that would be it. And, uh, and their God, and he had already paid some compliments, you know, in the end of chapter 2, uh, he paid a compliment to their God, uh, and but he's he's forgot it now. You see, it's been several years, and he he didn't. Uh, so that's all under the water, none under the dam. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, chapter uh, verse sixteen tells us, gives us an answer. Now, here is an answer. This answer is what. They did. It's an answer of faith. Now there's an answer of the flesh here, as well as uh, uh, that they could have uh, uh, given to Nebuchadnezzar. Now <clears throat> they notice what they didn't do, and that's striking. Is what they did. They did not. Turn on these Chaldeans. They did not criticize the Chaldeans. They did not fight their accusers. They didn't say one word against these men that uh, accused them of not worshiping the enemy. They didn't say one thing against the Babylonian government. The government hadn't gone to pot. They didn't say one thing against the king. Now that's what they didn't do. Well, they could have done. What could they have done to save their neck now? What could these three Hebrews done and to justify themselves? In other words, they could have, what, uh, they could have bowed uh, to, the, to, uh, to this image. They could have fallen down. And what excuses could they have given for it? First of all, they could have given the excuse that they were obligated to Nebuchadnezzar. It's been a very easy, likable excuse, wasn't it? Well, they were obligated. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar had put them through school. Nebuchadnezzar had given them their job. Nebuchadnezzar had given them a life of ease as far as their living is concerned. They didn't have to get out there and work and slave. They were politicians. They were wise men in the government. They were obligated. They could have said, well, now, he, he did us a favor. Well, we could fall down and, and it'd be just, uh, just from the chin out, you see. Not really mean it in the heart. Just, just do it a formality. Now, they could have done that, see. And that would have been a likely excuse. 
but but they they didn't do that. Well, they could have said, "Well, now look, we're outnumbered. Look at the force. Look at the power. Look at the duress. Look at the pressure. We're under." And they were under pressure. More that uh, the the might of the Babylonian kingdoms, which the world had never seen up to that time. Such a powerful government. And uh, when he commands, he his word stands. And they could have said, "Well, now we 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 can do that." And well, now they could, he could have they could have gone to a third reason. They could have said, uh, uh, "Now look, 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 look at the Jews out here. We're we we we're the only representatives they have in the government. Three boys and Daniel. Now, if we go into that fire furnace." Who's going to serve the Jews? Who's going to be a mouthpiece for them? We could go ahead and, and, and fall down and worship that image in, in order to live, in order to serve. See? The end justifying the means proposition, don't you see? Now that's what they could have done. And, and, and the flesh, the answer of flesh would have said that, see? They had been taking care of their hides. They had been telling the truth on every one of them. They were obligated. They were under pressure. And they were the only servants, the only ones that was in touch with Nebuchadnezzar that had power in the government. And in the long run, they said, well, it'd be a lot better if we, just three of us, it don't involve the rest of the Jews, if they just three of us, if we just fall down here and, and worship it. Daniel don't know anything about it. He, it won't be Daniel doing it. See? We can save Daniel's neck because they'll get him too. That's what they could have done. But that's that's not what they did. What did they do? They stood face to face with Daniel, uh, with Nebuchadnezzar, and said, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, God will answer you. Our God, the God that we worship will answer you. We're going to let him answer. And, uh, and then verse 17 they explain how they're going to let God answer. If it be so, that is, if you do cast us in the fire of furnace, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fire of furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, and that's the key words in that whole thing. That shows their resignation. That shows their determination. That shows uh, their fidelity and loyalty and devotion to God. See, But if not, even if he doesn't, if he lets us burn in the fire of the furnace, it's not, that's not the final proof that there's a God in heaven or that that God doesn't uh, care for his three Hebrew children. But if not, they said, Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.